This is The First Time, Chirp Radio's live storytelling and music series. Every show, we invite a group of storytellers to talk about different firsts and pick a song to go with it. This show's theme was First Break, recorded at Martyrs in Chicago's North Center with music by The First Time 3. Here's your host, Jen Sedini. Our next storyteller is Adam Schumerick. He's a, yeah, comedian, actor, writer. He is doing a comedy game panel show called The Unbelievable Truth on May 6th at Makeshift Arts. You can check the program for his socials. Give it up for Adam Schumerick. I told a friend of mine recently that I'm worried that I've grown too cowardly to be stupid anymore. And I hate it because I was very, very stupid. And I think that these days I'd be a whole lot better at it. This is the story of my first spring break. I didn't have a lot of money growing up, which is a tradition I proudly uphold to this day. So (laughs) for my junior year of college, I decided, uh, which was St. Patrick's Day 2003, by the way, almost exactly 20 years ago today, so. But I decided I I didn't want to go home and mow lawns again, you know? I wanted to have a real break. So I was going to leave my campus in New York and go to Boston, where I had spent my freshman year, and I was going to afford this trip by staying on the streets. Spring break, homeless, in Boston, in March. One of my oldest friends, Josh, said, hey, you really doing that Boston thing? I said, yeah. He said, all right, fuck it, I'm in. Day one, we spent in Penn Station waiting to catch our bus early in the morning. Now, it's hard to spend the night in Penn Station because the police there only have one function, which is to make sure that you don't fall asleep. If you nod your head too far, they go, hey, 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 hey. A little too far back, they go, what did I just say? (laughs) So we left there and we walked the streets of Manhattan until we caught our bus. In the morning of day two, we stepped off the bus in Boston and we walked it, all of it. We walked all of Boston. It was so cold. We spent that night taking turns sleeping on a park bench. That's when we considered giving up, calling our folks, asking for money. But first, no cell phones. Stupid. (laughs) I had one of those old phone cards where you scratch the back like a lottery ticket and reveal your secret long distance code. Second, we had lied to them and told them that we had stayed on campus. So nobody knew where we were. Really stupid. Day three was much the same, remarkable only in that we realized how much we had underestimated the amount of food we would need, and tired of sleeping rough, we splurged on a hostel, which we didn't return to after the as-advertised 4 a.m. drum circle, which consisted of three people and one drum, no arrangement of which makes a circle. Day four, I got conniving. I bumped into an old friend of mine, and I had an idea. See, the policy at my old dorm was that you could have overnight guests if you signed them in, and they left their IDs in the binder at the front desk, and then they collected them when they left. So I told this friend of mine that uh, our flights had been delayed, and would he let us into the common room? We'll warm up for a few hours, and then we'll go to the airport. And he agreed. Now all we had to do was never see him again, and we had couches to sleep on overnight. So to celebrate, we found a pub, ordered a couple of Guinnesses, slid our IDs over to the bartender who slid them right on back to us and kindly invited us to get the fuck out of there. (laughs) 
we were not of age and had gotten those IDs three years earlier in the basement of a porno shop in Toronto, Canada. <laughs> According to them, we were 25 years old from a small town near Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. We took them back and we left with the customary politeness you'd expect of two young Canadian gentlemen. <laughs> Day five, our stupidity grew criminal. We went to my old dining hall, paid for a lunch buffet, and filled our bags with enough food for the rest of the trip. It is shameful, yes, but our bellies were full and we looked at that food not as purloined goods, but as the spoils due to any great conquerors, the reheated chicken patties of adventure. We ate well and we slept well, for tomorrow was our greatest challenge, St. Patrick's Day. Day six, we left early to avoid detection and we warmed up at a nearby tea station. I went to find a payphone to use my lottery card to lie to my parents some more and I asked Josh if he was coming. He pointed down with the dirty ground and just slumped. Fair enough. When I returned, he was there in the same spot, but he reached up his hand and he offered me just what I was looking for on this cold March day in Boston, a 64-ounce special St. Paddy's Day frozen Mountain Dew slushy. <laughs> I said, why would you waste the few dollars we have on this? And he held up his other hand, revealing 13 crumpled up singles. He had looked so dirty and exhausted that commuters had been giving their spare change to him <laughs> on the way up the stairs. But now we had refreshing frozen drinks and $13 added to our assets. So I told him my plan for the holiday. I said, we get on this Green Line train. We take it all the way down the line to Boston College. We find someone who will buy us a bottle of Irish whiskey. We walk the seven or eight miles back to our misappropriated dormitory and we get drunk. And we did. We stood outside the first liquor store we saw for a long time, the owner kind of side-eyeing us the whole while, before one man told us something other than, fuck off. He told us to get the fuck out of his way. <laughs> then he went to his car and he sat there, and he sat there, and then he sort of moped back over to us, clearly annoyed, and he said, my girlfriend yelled at me because I wouldn't buy you dicks some booze. <laughs> what do you want? As much whiskey as this will buy us, please. <laughs> he came out and he handed us a liter of the cheapest hooch I have ever had. And then he looked at us really seriously, almost fatherly, and he said, you dicks. <laughs> we were kings. We walked back up that green line, arms over each other's shoulders. We told old stories. We sang old songs and we drank Mountain Dew flavored Irish whiskey, 64 ounces at a time. And then behind us, we heard footsteps coming up fast. Picture this, two stupid kids, each half a liter into a bottle of booze, alone in an unfamiliar city where no one knows they are, with no phones and with their only real identification sitting in a binder miles away being guarded by a freshman solo performance major. Should the worst have happened, the Boston police would have had to dig through two backpacks full of dirty underwear, two-day-old chicken sandwiches, and maybe use the phone card they found to ruin the evenings of two unsuspecting couples in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. <laughs> we froze. And then we heard something that we knew would take this night in a very different direction. Bagpipes. 
Behind us was a big parade of drunken revelers, and at the front of that parade was the band Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> they were leading a pub crawl around the area, and we jumped in. We had just done the stupidest thing we could with our break, and we survived. We thrived. And Dropkick Murphys was throwing us a parade. <laughs> so now here's the thing. There is so much more to this story. But for 20 years, uh, that's roughly where it has ended, with a big parade. But as the years have gone by, and the more I've told it, I embarrassingly slowly have come to the realization that I'm sure many of you have. That guy was right when he handed us that whiskey. We were dicks. <laughs> so I stand here now with my gray hair and my bad knees, and I think that story's not about two conquerors. It's about an idiot who unintentionally spit in the faces of actually desperate people. How we embody the toxic cliches, taking money from strangers to buy booze. And how those people would be treated at that liquor store or that dormitory. And about those cops stopping folks sleeping in Penn Station. They weren't a foil to me on the first night of my adventure. They're there to make clear to people that they are not welcome. That if you have no home, you shall also have no rest. And I'm disappointed in myself, not for having done it, but because I don't think I could do it again. I do think I would be a whole lot better now at being that stupid. But the follies of youth are the hesitations of old men. And I worry that I have traded that stupidity for cowardice. So which is worse? Stupidity may breed regret, but we have a saying back home in Saskatoon. There is no coward's parade. I've lost all the time that I have in this world. I spend it unwisely, unwisely, you see. And I can't get back, I can't move forward. I'm broken and I'm empty, it's over for me. If I could undo all the wrongs that I've caused, fall to my knees, pray for swiftness and just. For I'm just a fool, driven to dust, and the world ain't gonna change for me.
see the young man I swear I once was pretty Not the monster you now see But I squandered all my chances Lost my faith, took for granted This life, precious one chance The whirlwind hourly If I could undo all the wrongs that I caused Fall to my knees, pray for swiftness and just For I'm just a your cheats, vagrants and barflies down on the street. First Time is hosted by Jen Sedini, with production by Bobby Evers, Andy Vasoyan, and Executive Director Julie Miller. The podcast is edited by Andy Vasoyan, with songs performed by The First Time Three. You can find this and other Chirp podcasts and interviews at chirpradio.org podcasts.